1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid, and electric, Renault, Dacia, and Opal range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie.
2: Hello, this beautiful Thursday afternoon. I hope you're enjoying the weather. Isn't it just glorious? Thank God for it. I see them back to school, wandering in round our neck of the woods today. Art flies round, doesn't it? But anyway, we must be thankful for this lovely late summer sunshine. And it looks like it's going on into next week, which is great news for everybody. I hope it goes on for the whole of September and October. (laughs) (laughs) That's wishful thinking, isn't it? Of course it is, on this little wet island of ours. Anyway, great to have you with us this Thursday afternoon. I have to start by saying congratulations to Ellen Keane. Yes, our first gold medal at the Paralympics in the pool. What a race she swam. Oh my God, I thought the New Zealander was going to win it. Led most of the way, but Ellen came up... Trump's at the end, didn't she? Yes, she did. And she's won the gold bronze in Rio and gold now in Tokyo. Congratulations. We're on our way with the medal haul and looking forward to many more medals of various colours. ...over the uh, next 10 days or so. Now, today on Late Lunch, yes, my Artist of the Week story and song continues from Stevie Wonder. We've a lovely story about seven ducklings to bring to you. Andrew O'Connor's with us, the wonderful Irish author. But the reason he's with us today is it's the 99th anniversary of the death of Michael Collins when he was assassinated this very day, 99 years ago. And Andrew's going to be talking about the big man to us on the show. Did you know Cubicle 7? Yes, they're a gaming company, a role-playing gaming company, one of the biggest in the world. And where are they? In Littleston Mullen in County Mead. Yes, their headquarters are there. Dominic McDowell, their CEO, is also with us on the show today. If you want to get in touch, remember the numbers 086 1800 658. WhatsApp or text me to the show 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call in. Now, let's begin today. I'll tell you a wee story. Five years ago... Grace McGeary was expecting her third baby. Sadly, son Dannon passed away at birth and Grace was critically ill. She always wanted more children, but subsequently she couldn't. Now she's going the surrogacy route to add to her a fold. And a little earlier today, this morning, I caught up with Grace and she took me back to that fateful time five years ago when she lost her baby.
3: Dannon actually died um, during labour so it was very, um, very tragic, you know, and it's just, just been very hard on us all. And um, we're just trying to still, obviously, we always will. It's just grieving and it's just awful sad, you know, that he's not here with us today and he should be. Um, and then obviously I nearly died myself. I'm actually very, very lucky to be alive, Jerry, to tell the story today. Um, but unfortunately, I had to have a hysterectomy, which I obviously cannot carry any more children. Um, so, obviously, surrogacy is the only way forward for myself, for my family, in order to have another child. Um, so, I actually have been looking in, obviously, since five years now to different clinics all over the world, America, Canada, Ukraine, see what was the best option for us. You know, we have um, decided on a clinic in Ukraine. We are going to go ahead with that clinic. We have our embryos frozen, well, my embryo frozen, I should say, in Ukraine, so it's just basically now taking the knapsack forward um, in order to do that, Jerry.
2: And it had always been your plan, was it, to have a big oh, family? Yes.
3: Yeah, we, we wanted when we were ready. We said we'd always have a few more children, and yes, we wanted a big family. And it's just it's sad now that you know we can't.
2: But you can, you see, by going this route. Now, here's the the number. This as well. You have to tie the knot to go ahead with this in the Ukraine.
3: Yes, in Ukraine you do. It's it's the legal end of it over that. In America and Canada, you don't have to be married. It's a completely different law over there. But in Ukraine, you have to be married.
2: And have you a date? Or what's happening on that front?
3: No, we actually don't have a date yet. It's just with COVID and stuff, we just said we'd kind of hold off and see what way. Because we kind of wanted to have a big enough wedding. Um, So we're kind of holding off to see and see what way things are by Christmas. And... If things don't change, by questions we're just going to do just something small because we kind of want to get the ball rolling and get our baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Certainly. How long are you with Liam? How long do you know him? How long have you been together?
3: We've been together 14 years.
2: And yep. the, the and and I have to ask the 64 million dollar question: Why didn't you do it before now?
3: I'm going to be honest, Jerry. I never wanted to get married. Up <laughs> to God's honest truth, never wanted to get married. It was never a thing. I see it important, to be quite honest. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, um, so the only reason we actually are getting married is because we have to. That's the sad bit of it all.
2: There you go. Well, I have to say that's the real proof of a strong, loving relationship between two people.
3: Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> certainly is. You're a
2: confident lady. Anyway, look, you love this fellow and you've been with him a long time and you've lovely children and more to come. Now, just talk to me Please about God. Ukraine. You mentioned that your embryos are there already. Have, have you visited the Ukraine?
3: Yes. Yeah, so we have been in the Ukraine in March. Myself and Liam went over and um, our son, Sean, my daughter actually didn't want to go over. She thinks she's too old now to go on family holidays. God love her. And
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, so we went over and um, I done the whole IVF, um, whole IVF procedure with IV Med Clinic in Ukraine. And um, we got our embryos, and we actually got um, gender selection done. So um, you, you get to actually see the sex of all your embryos. It's amazing what, what science can do.
2: Isn't that something else?
3: Yeah, amazing, amazing. Little things that you see you don't think you can do, because, you know, when I was explaining to my friends and family, you know, oh, you can go over and you can can pick the sex, you can put a boy in, you can put a girl in, you can put two in. It's just amazing all the things you can do. Mm,
2: Science has really advanced so much, it really has. So you've been over there, you have a lot of pre-work done. Have you selected the surrogate mother yet, or is that for down the road?
3: No. So the plan is, once we get married and we have our marriage certificate, we have to go to a place in Dublin and we have to get it, it's called an apostle stamp. It's very, very important, and um, for Ukrainian law, you have to have your marriage certificate with this apostle stamp. And once they have that, then we can go ahead then and pick our surrogate mother. Then.
2: Now this process is fraught with anxiety. You know this yourself. It, it's something oh, completely. that
3: completely, you- absolutely, completely. It's it's, it's awful.
2: Hmm. You don't enter into it lightly and you're ready for the road ahead.
3: Well, we are. Like, it's been it's been five years now, you know, looking into different clinics and speaking to different people. And, you know, obviously, I've been in surrogacy um, groups and still at the moment. And I've been speaking to different people who have already have children and are on their second journey. And some of them have already done a second journey. So, like, I'm getting so much different information from people who have been there before. So it's great to have all that knowledge and stuff, you know, because I was clueless five years ago. I didn't know what to do, where to go. I didn't have an absolute clue of anything. And now I like, well, I'm going to say I know enough. I think I know enough.
2: (laughs) You're right. There have been a lot of Irish people down this road and with the Ukraine as well, with wonderful success. Are you guaranteed success with this?
3: Well, see, there's a few different packages you can go for. So it kind of ranges from 20,000... You can go right up to eighty thousand. Like it's it's crazy. Different clinics have different packages, and it's just a slur Whatever one's for you, I suppose. Now we haven't exactly decided which package we want to go for. Now, I, obviously, people different people went with different packages, but it kind of all depends on the package you want. And I suppose everyone's different. What you can afford, really? Like you know, the cheapest one mm. is twenty thousand. So who can just go and pay twenty thousand? So it's a lot of lot of money, a lot of expense, and then you're taking into consideration your flight over there your accommodation then over there you need to pay for your food obviously it's just crazy mm. it's, it's not stress.
2: cheap that's the message today this is expensive it costs a lot of money
3: now lot, let's money. let's
2: try and go into next year into 2022 and you get married and this process moves on and a pregnancy yeah. is successful what are your plans during the pregnancy
3: well, the plans will be obviously. I personally want to have a relationship with the surrogate. I would like to know her, check up on her every now and again. You know, to send guests over to her. I would love to go over and um, and see her, and um, maybe even two or three times throughout the pregnancy. Um, go, you know, go. I'd love to go to the scans, what's your life? And I don't know what way that is at the moment with COVID over there. Mm. If you know parents like over, I I actually don't know. Um, but I'm hoping that you know. I'll be able to go over and go to the scans um, I'd, lo- I'd love to be able to, you know just to kind of obviously I'm not going to be able to carry this baby so I kind of want to have some sort of bond with my baby before it comes into the world if that makes sense
2: Absolutely, of course you do you want to be as close to the situation as you can and that's so understandable you mentioned Kayla didn't go with you, she's 17 she's beyond that I know what you're talking about for sure Sean went uh, on the trip to the Ukraine how do they feel about mam and a new arrival in general?
3: Oh, they are so excited. Like, it's... Like, when they were so... They were obviously... We found out Dan was a wee boy and um they were so excited about having another little brother and how Sean wanted to teach him how to play football and, you know, like, we were just so, so excited. And then, obviously, when he died, like, it was just like, whoa. You know, children that age, they were just so young and, like, to find out their little brother's dead, they just couldn't... And then their mom nearly died. It was just... It's just been very, very hard and, you know, so... This is all kind of you know We speak about Dan in a positive sense. We always speak about Dan, and we always celebrate his birth. It's just like he's here. So it's nice for the kids not to be sad talking about their brother and not afraid to talk about him. We speak about Dan in a positive way. So it's nice, you know, to do that, mm-hmm. especially for the children. So we're so excited for for this baby to come. Kayla wants a sister. Sean wants a brother. So Lee and I just both said, you know what? We put a boy and a girl in, and if we get one, we get one. If we get two, uh, Brilliant,
2: even better. <laughs> Everybody be happy. Happiness all round in the clan. You mentioned there that so, uh, you've been involved with a lot of women who've uh, been through experiences of you know surrogacy and looking to have a baby, and there are many have uh, gone this trail, as I said before, to the Ukraine and all over the world. It, it's not legal in Ireland. What are people saying? You know, moving in that circle of people who have experienced this, positive and disappointments, and all kinds of experiences.
3: It, it's just, it's just very sad because in Ireland, you know, surrogacy is not really like it's not recognised in the law here in Ireland. So basically. It's it's just so wrong because it's kind of, we all want to have children, but we can't do it here in Ireland. So we have to go abroad to do this. It's it's just, it's just so unfair. But even like the, like for talk's sake, if, you know, when we have our baby, my partner, he will go and get a DNA test and he will be the father on the birth there. But I will never actually be the birth mother. So, when we come home here to Ireland after having our baby, um, my partner will apply and um, has to apply for guardianship for me. Mm.
4: It's,
3: it's, it's just, it's just it's ridiculous. So, I'm basically, I'm just a, lead, a legal guardian for my baby. And then I lose that when my child turns 18. Yes. It's Like, I can't even adopt my child because it's just the way the laws are in Ireland. And that's why all of us women who are, have to go this route, we're all just so annoyed and disappointed with the laws here in Ireland. Mm. even the UK law is much better they're miles ahead you know like both parents can like be in the birth within months of the birth of their baby you know it's much much better in, in the UK so we just feel like in Ireland it's just Ireland just failing us as mothers in that sense
2: so it's an issue that really does need to be looked at again. I hear what oh, you're saying completely. today. Yeah. And Probably. many, many people would join with you in that call. Well, look, at. Uh, good luck to you. It's a, a wonderful journey lies ahead for all of you. It's exciting. It's uh, anxious times, as I said, as well. But look, 2022 is a year that's going to be so big for you and Liam, Kayla and Sean and all concerned. And we wish you well. Thank you for telling me your story today.
3: Oh, thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate it. And please, God, the next time I'm speaking to you, if so, I'll have a baby and the laws might have changed a bit.
2: I'll keep you to that. We will talk down the road, please, God. For the moment, Grace McGeary, thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
2: Yes It's a wonderful Adventure ahead For Grace McGeary And her family And we wish her well And we will keep In touch with her On her journey Into next year Anyway The Gunners won In the Egg Cup Last night They trashed poor West Brom Who had a Youth team out You have to say Don't get carried away With this Gunners fans It could be 6-0 The other way I have to say On uh, Saturday At the Emirates uh, Not at the Emirates At the the Etihad Stadium uh, When the Gunners Play Manchester City Anyway We live in hope You have to if you're an Arsenal fan. Milk crates, Louise. I thought milk crates would be out of fashion. You know, the, the bottle I milk... have seen them in a while. Yeah, no, they were all... You know, when we all... Well, not all of us. Some of us got loose milk. We talked about this before. But a lot of people have the milk delivered in bottles to, the, you know, by the milkman morning times. And I remember the crates from years ago. But would crates be a big thing nowadays? Milk crates? Are they still something, would you think? I wouldn't have thought so. Mm, but it seems... That youngsters are able to get their hands on milk crates. So we take it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Halloween bonfires. Where do they get the bloody tyres from? the milkmen
1: scratching their heads.
2: Yes. Well, anyway, they're out and about gathering these crates. And I had a look at earlier on today, this thing called the milk crate challenge. Did you, you, you had a look at did you yourself did you see what happening. Just briefly, yeah. yeah. They build them up <laughs> as high as they can. And then jump from them. Or do they jump from one to the other? I was just having a gawk at it and saw the crates piled high anyway, And it's so. not
1: exactly a crate that fits nicely yeah. on a you know, it'd yeah. be kind of
2: Wobbly. 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 Yeah. Oh listen, a singly up, you know, they'd be very unstable. But um uh, Do they
1: stack them up pasteurized? Oh, Sorry. Oh my Sorry. god.
2: Boom, boom, <laughs> she's the best. Go on, what's the other one? Go on, you might as well have, give us another one of your classics. No <clears throat> use crying over if you fall off them.
1: Yes, of course.
2: (laughs) But on a serious note, um, hospitals and medics are saying to youngsters, be careful on them, you know, because you're liable. Some people are liable to get a a break, you know, Mm -hmm. breaking, broken wrist, arm, leg or whatever. And with the pressure on our A&E facilities at the moment with COVID especially, a lot of people in hospital um, they're just saying look be careful with this do you know I, 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 I'd I, say it's a bit of fun to be honest with you I don't want to be a killjoy I'd mm-hmm. say I'd say there's a thrill in it you know what I mean build them up as high as you can you know try to jump from one to the other you could do numerous do things
1: get, do you have to climb up the side of them or something I do you know, know they're not topple over as you climb <laughs>
2: up well, to them of course they're uh, totally unstable by nature but I remember them years ago we used to have a bit of fun with building them and that. But it seems, you know, what goes round comes round. It's back, the milk crate challenge. And,
1: and is it in Ireland? Is it TikTok or is it worldwide or it doesn't say?
2: Oh, I think it's in this neck of the woods for sure. You know what I mean? It, it certainly is. But uh, you know these things, as you say, when the someone does it and they whip it up onto social media well then everybody copycats yeah people have to do it and have to follow suit as well it's uh, one of those things but I, I'd i say there's a thrill in it I really would say there's a thrill you know you're right how do you get up on them How do mm. they, I suppose you could use others you know to climb your way up <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's challenging itself it's
2: challenging itself even trying to think of how to get so high on the milk crates but there you have it anyway the milk crate challenge is the latest thing to take legs online and everybody wants to do it Anyway, memories, memories. Let's have some more memories with this one. One of my favourites. Ah, I'm going to be dancing around the studio with the Saw Doctors. N17, N17 on the Saw Doctors. Fantastic song. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, uh, the challenge we were talking about there. The uh, Milk Crate Challenge. It originated in the States. You were right, Louise. TikTok, Instagram and social media, it's gone viral there. They built sort such of pyramids on them. Of, of the crates try to go to the top of them and then people are seeing you can see them Louise falling off them and hitting the ground and it's gone viral and mad and it's spreading now I'd say it's on its way this way but originated in the States and it's really taken legs beyond the States and other parts of the world and doctors here are just cautioning um, please don't copy no copycats please where do you get
1: the milk crates <laughs> well
2: that's the thing I still ask that question
1: if it I, does come here yeah
2: I don't think there are too many milk crates in Ireland anyone out there milkman or milk lady or anyone in the business are milk crates still available in this country and where can our youngsters get them to copy the (laughs) boys and girls
4: in the (laughs) States
2: (laughs) I'm watching the dressage here in the Paralympics and the Irish competitors on at the moment do you know what I'm just thinking all the beautiful the graceful movement on them that was the type of horse that Natalia Coyle needed, she would have won the gold. Oh yeah, <laughs> be- oh, that's behaved. But they're just performing. I'm just watching them on the telly. They're so graceful in the dressage. They really are. Hi, Jerry. The Gunners six nil. Bet you're a happy man today. I should look at you're happy when the Arsenal win any time. But I'll tell you again, they're going to Man City on Saturday. Uh, Saturday morning uh, into the Lions' den. What will it be then? could be 6-0 the other way. You never know with them. That's the problem. Anyway, so we'll take it today and they got a nice draw against Wimbledon in the next round of that particular uh, cup competition. 086-1800-658 is the number you need. WhatsApp or text us to the show if you have anything on your mind, you want to get something off your chest, or if you just want to say hello. We love to hear from you on the show. Now, here's something I didn't know until recently. One of the biggest role-playing games companies in the world. They're called Cubicle 7 Entertainment are based, yes, here in the northeast, in Stermullen in County Meath. And their CEO is Dominic McDowell, and he joins me on the line. Hello, Dominic. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our Great. call this afternoon. Well, my God, here we are. World leaders, thanks to you <laughs> and your people. Isn't it fantastic? Dominic, will you just explain to me and our listeners, please, what are role-playing games?
5: Well, they are um games where you tell a story um, and uh, try and solve some puzzles and uh, really it's just an excuse to get people around a table and uh, tell stories and interact. A bit like um, an improvised play, um, Mm. a bit like a murder mystery, dinner party. Um, but we tend to be way down the geeky end of the pool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but listen, hold on a minute. There's a lot of geeks then in the world. If you want to really make Absolutely. an assessment of this business, it's
4: huge, isn't it?
5: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, it, not quite as cool, but... Um, yeah, the uh, the geeks seem to be doing pretty well at the moment, so uh, we are uh, yeah we're having having great fun.
2: And within the parameters of these games, can you create your own story, or is that laid out for you that you you know fill in the yeah. blanks?
5: Um, yeah, both really. So um, there's yeah some of what we do is um, with some really popular um, settings like um, you know Warhammer um, and uh, Doctor Who and things like that. So we we can yeah you know, we provide some of the stories for people to play through, um, or you can just completely make up your own, and we give you the tools to do that as well. So uh, the games are sort of yeah cater for both sides of that.
2: Now, what brought you, and we discern from your accent, you're from across the water to Stimullin, with your life and your family and your business?
5: Absolutely, yeah, I'm a South Wales boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my wife's from Galway, um, and we had always intended on moving back at some point. So, uh, the, um, yeah, just the, the, the stars aligned, and uh, uh, we moved over in 2018.
2: So. Uh, and you find Stamullen, uh, uh, where it is geographically, very, very beneficial to what you do?
5: Yeah, absolutely. The, the, um, the biggest market for, for tabletop games is in the States. So um close access to the airport for for getting over there for conventions and meetings and things like that is brilliant. um We've got uh, yeah, lovely um uh, office spot at of the city north, which you know just been has been fantastic and i mean location wise it's just great you know you've got the beach you've got, uh, you have got you get into town it's just yeah really works, really works well.
2: There you go. Other corporates or whatever size of business you are, if you're listening in today, the Northeast is the place to be in Ireland. And of course, we have excellent, and from your point of view, uh, connectivity, communications, all that type of stuff. That's so important to
5: you guys. Absolutely, yep, definitely. And I have to mention the Drogheda Swim Club as well. Fantastic.
2: Okay, oh, <laughs> listen, I just see you have a holistic view of life, which is absolutely fantastic. So you employ a number of people there at the City North yeah. Business uh, Campus in St. as you say, but you also have people, haven't you, in the UK and elsewhere in the, work, in the world who feed into you?
5: yeah absolutely so the, we we have um a i think about fifteen now who are uh, obviously we, we haven't been all in the office uh, recently uh but um yeah fifteen who who are based in in um in in and around the area and then another twelve i think um that we have uh sort of yeah full time remote workers so and then they're in trying to think of everywhere now berlin Budapest um uh, sacramento uh minneapolis um so yeah a fair, fair few in the states um apologies for everybody i've left out there no,
2: you, <laughs> you've covered the globe dominic don't worry yeah you, you have it all us there for sure the other thing to say is and i, I meant to mention this I, I really do want to come back to it you, you are very uh, acknowledging of the support you received from mead county
5: council Absolutely, yes. It was the um, uh, exactly the right support at the right times, at uh, the right time. It, it was. Um, I can't praise them enough. Um, I think the programs are fantastic, um, and uh, yeah, just really, really. But, yeah, they, they couldn't have timed it better if they tried. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Oh,
2: that's good to hear because I'm familiar with the Leo in and They' either, uh, both franchise county areas here for the station. And I know the work they all do. And it's wonderful to hear of a company that has grown like yourself and become international that acknowledges that that support is there. And that support yeah. is there, as you know, for any idea or business or concept
5: absolutely yeah they're very open to discussing um you know all the issues that we were facing and uh, yeah i think they could help because it was um uh, uh, yeah yeah top notch support
2: on your team uh you have many roles but what are the key roles in in developing what skill set does somebody need you know to work with mm. you and and you know to contribute
5: um that's a really good question <laughs> um I think that you've got the um initially there's the um uh, yeah, we work in gaming but we are also a small business like any other so there's a lot of the, you know, the business support roles that we need um and um the uh yeah the business administration and you know, sales and marketing and um, warehouse operation and you know all that sort of things and then on the uh the, the uh, the creative side then, we have game designers, um, writers, editors, artists, uh, graphic designers, um, a real sort of mix of all of that. A lot of what we make is, is in book form, so um, a, a lot of those traditional publishing roles um, are important for us as well.
2: That's good to hear that they're still alive and well when people say to you, well, really, it's a thing of the past with technology today. It's not, and yeah. you're hearing it from a very successful CEO. What about the awards you've picked up? Because just looking at here, you have picked up from the Academy of Adventure, Gaming and <laughs> Arts.
5: <laughs> yes. So the um, uh, There's a big trade association in the States, uh, and um, that, that's their awards. Um so we, we we've won a few of those, um, yeah. and um, yeah, there's a, another set of industry awards, the Annie's so yeah, we, we we won a fair few of those as well. It's uh, yeah, it's been great. It's, it's yeah, always lovely to <laughs> to yes. be recognised, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. The acknowledgement is really really special. Back to yeah. you for a moment. I take it you you were a gamer from uh, you were knee high to a grasshopper, or were you?
5: I was. Yes, that's um some of my earliest memories can be uh yeah <laughs> found with games and the, the, do you remember those, those old um, you know, the choose your own adventure books mm-hmm. um, that they yeah the um those and that there were some um uh some sort of more advanced ones of those that had like some rules and um, you know would roll dice and things like that as well um and then that led me into um essentially a, a UK company games workshop uh, that have um, really been pioneers in the um, you know in the fantasy gaming um, uh, side of things, um, and yeah, just never looked back. Um, found this amazing set of fantasy worlds that you can explore. I think I think it's that that sort of level of engagement that you get with them as well. Mm. Um, the I also love um, science fiction and fantasy uh, novels and books, um, but being able to you know, explore them yourself, kind of in, in, a, in a I don't know it's just a more immediate kind of way. Uh, it's a bit more immersive. Um, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, I really would encourage anybody to give. Um, it doesn't have to be hours, but you know, it probably should be, shouldn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, give give, give a role playing game a go. It's it's uh, yeah. There's nothing else quite like it.
2: There you go. And uh, it's something I'd say that people mightn't be that familiar with. But I do know, and I do know some people who are real aficionados and love this, and they really Mm. uh, echo what you say as well. When you, uh, you know, dip your toe, this thing sort of grabs you, doesn't it? It has that ability. Yeah.
5: And it's funny seeing you in popular media a lot more. Things like Stranger Things, where the um, the boys are playing Dungeons & Dragons uh, as part of the show, I think has reminded a lot of people that it exists and um, you know that kind of fantasy gaming isn't just on computers mm,
2: doctor who you mentioned well now you're mm. talking uh, you're <laughs> talking to a, a a boy who grew up with on black and white tv watching you know uh john pertwee per, yeah. per, perform as doctor and many many t- tom baker and others since as well um yeah. is, is it a big one you know in, in the context of of your, what you do
5: yeah, absolutely. Um, that was I mean, kind of the, the the company got started with with, with Doctor Who, uh always well, an important part of the mix. Um and also personally my sister was in the uh the Christmas Invasion episode, which was uh, um uh, David Tennant's first uh, first televised adventure. So she she was played Sandra, who was in a pink dressing gown, I seem to remember trying okay. <laughs> to talk people down from some, yeah, some, uh, uh, some alien effects. Um And uh my, my great uncle Fred, I think, was on the, the props team that built the first Daleks as well. So it, you know, it feels a little go. bit personal oh, too.
2: Oh yes, <laughs> yes, good to hear the Who fans from yesteryear and the connections. It really is. Well, look yes. at. I want to wish you all the best and congratulate you on what you've achieved with Cubicle Seven oh, Entertainment. Best wishes for the future, continued success, and it's great to know uh, that you're part of the fabric here of our community in the Northeast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Not at all. That's Dominic McDowell there, CEO of Cubicle 7 Games, belting it out from Stamullen in County Mead all over the world. She's the hair standing on the back of me neck listening to that. I can remember as a little fella Louise at home, Saturday evening, Doctor Who was on the telly. And it'd have you half scared now. I'm not joking you. It really would. I was a big, big fan back in the day. And I'll always remember... We are the Daleks I was going to say We will exterminate you We will exterminate (laughs) you We will exterminate you We are the
1: Daleks
2: (laughs) I can just remember and I'd be hiding behind the chair nearly looking out at them you, it's way before your time you wouldn't remember. I
1: vaguely remember them but oh I remember the Daleks oh god
2: almighty <laughs> Saturday evening the, you know what I'd be scared and, you, you know I really was it was brilliant BBC you know television I have to hand it to them sci-fi you know for the first time and when you're a little fella you really do I, I haven't woke up dreaming it's sort of a nightmare about them as well and then the Cybermen do you remember them? No. Oh they were evil evil fellas and then there was these creatures I can't remember their name they came out of the swamp
1: Oh, that's what I thought you were doing there. The swamp there. You came things. In and you had, you we're doing these kind of things with your arms <laughs> and I can picture you coming out <laughs> yeah, of a swamp. I was
2: doing the actions to the Doctor Who music there. They came out of the swamp. God almighty, I can't, it just won't come to me. Anyone remember those Doctor Who creatures that came out of the swamp? Oh, they were, they were nasty guys as well. But you know the concept of it, a telephone, uh, you know, a telephone box, box that you go into, that is hu- You know when they went into it and you often as a child thought, my God. A telephone box and look at the room that's inside it. And then it, it careered through the universe to different planets and that and as well. Do you
1: still watch it? Have you watched it over the no, years as the doctors no, changed? No, and no,
2: no, no, no. I've seen a
1: female Doctor Who recently.
2: I don't want to say anything about that. I'm just going to take the Fifth mm. Amendment on that one. If you don't <laughs> mind, I'll park
1: that and for you the moment. The
2: day there's a female James Bond. It's all over for me. I just say that. And I'm not being sexist or anything, but I just think James Bond is a man and always should be a man. And that is my opinion. I'm not going there with Doctor Who, but you can just guess how I feel about that as well. So why shouldn't Superwoman be a man? Think There's about it. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> but a man to play uh-huh. superwoman. So let's just, uh, you know, mix it all up. Let's have a man play like playing superwoman. For, the, for the love of God, will you stop? Anyway, um, the Doctor Who, I can tell you something. It was scary. So who was
1: the Doctor Who when you watched it? Can you remember? Um,
2: well, I know, uh, I think it was Pertwee. John Pertwee oh, yeah. was the doctor when maybe there was somebody before him. Uh, I think it was maybe just... where John Pertwee was definitely one. Tom Baker took it on. He was definitely one that I watched in my time as well. I'll have to Google it and have a look at who played the Doctor and I'll tell you for sure. But uh, memories, memories... And, you know, that all came from my conversation there with Dominic McDowell a moment ago and his, you know, his Gosh, liking of Doctor. And it just brought me back when I said, ah, oh, that brings back memories to me on the show today. But uh, I'd say Doctor Who had a big following, you know, That's in not- Ireland. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm you know, and sure. in, in, you know, BBC. You were in, we were lucky, as I said, on the East Coast, we had. BBC. On other parts of Ireland, you only had RTE. You didn't see Doctor Who. But on the East Coast here, we got it all in from the UK, we UTV. Even had Channel Four. We even had Channel 4. We had amazing it was <laughs> to live in this necklace. It wasn't incredible. When you think today, 765 million channels nothing and on. nothing on tonight <laughs> when you go home. Do you ever just contemplate that for a minute? Anyway, one television in the house, black and white. Then we went to Colour with Doctor Who as well, and I so enjoyed it. I was a big fan, certainly. And when. The I,
1: on the telly yes Yes, of course. Of the course, aerial. and you
2: started twisting them uh, t- to get it right. But Doctor Who, who were the creatures from the swamps? Can anybody help me there? Is there Doctor Who fans out there at all today? Or were you a fan of Doctor Who or not? Uh, let me know. 86 That's 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in on eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. And on late lunch this afternoon, <laughs> we have for you, coming up next, being introduced by the Daleks. It's take that. And back for, good.
4: I guess time that you came back for good.
2: Yes, back for good and take that on your late lunch this afternoon. Isn't it just simply a lovely song? Thanks for all your help. Yes, William Hartnell was the first ever Doctor Who. He played Doctor Who from 63 to 66 then Patrick Troughton came in for a short time it was around 69 but I really started watching it with John Pertwee as I mentioned Louise and he was the doctor from 70 to 74 and then one of the best doctors of all time Eddie just stuck his head in there and he was just saying that he felt Tom Baker uh, was the best and I would uh, be inclined to agree Tom Baker was Doctor Who from 75 for quite a few years there and uh, he was terrific but many have played the part of the doctor over the years you know? Did you
1: know it was actually created for as a kids' series to educate kids about the human body? <laughs>
2: not, to, not to frighten us. No, just to educate the kids. It's not amazing
1: and how it there's
3: evolved.
2: There's Helen on to say, Jerry, I was absolutely petrified of the Daleks too. Now they just make me laugh. To <laughs> them, yeah. you know that they're uh, uh, they were of their time. You know what I'm saying? And but, those
1: men actually in were operating them. Yes, the inside.
4: Yeah. Them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh Lord and they went round on wheels and the little the way the head moved look from right to left and the little thing exterminate 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 oh my God and and they used to leave it you see each week on BBC it was Saturday Saturday evening just before tea time um what you would call it uh just then uh, it, it would come on you know what I mean and it'd be on for half an hour so and they'd leave you hanging until the next week. <laughs> To see was somebody killed or did they wipe out anybody? Anyway, that's Doctor Who and memories, memories. Go on
1: the internet and preview it. Not (laughs) at
2: all. You're joking me. Keep your thoughts coming to us. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call in. Next on the show, we're talking about the big man. Yes, Michael Collins. His anniversary, uh, the anniversary of his death, occurs around this time. I may have said it was today. It's actually not the 22nd of August. But we're talking to Andrew O'Connor next. To coincide side with the 99th anniversary of the assassination of uh, Michael Collins Poolbeg have uh, issued in paperback Andrew O'Connor's Wonderful, A Great Beauty. He was assassinated on the 22nd of August and we're remembering Collins today and I'm delighted to say I interviewed Andrew back when the hardback copy came out and I've spoken to him subsequently. He's one of our finest authors. He really is brilliant and he's back with me on late lunch this afternoon. Andrew, hello again.
0: Hi Jerry, how are you? Great to be back.
2: <laughs> uh great to have you even though you're not here I can just picture the face and you sitting in front of me, you know. But anyway, that's <laughs> the way of the world Andrew at the moment. That's the that's the
0: that's the, that's the new world Jerry, isn't it?
2: It certainly <laughs> is. Anyway, lovely to catch up with you again and I want to tell people that this is uh, the resumption of printing by Poole beg after 15 months Andrew.
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's actually I suppose it's just it's the pandemic, isn't it, mm. Jerry? Because I think I was actually on the show um that came out uh, the Christmas before last um, and yeah. it was out in the in the the hardback edition. And uh, usually what would happen is the books would come out then um, the following summer for the summer market, the paperback. But I suppose like with everything closed and everything, it's just been a little bit of a, a delay getting mm. it out onto the, onto the shops. But um, anyway, it's there better late than never, as they say. It
2: certainly <laughs> is. And, and lovely to have it in paperback out at this time to coincide with the 99th anniversary of Collins' assassination. Now, look, at I remember at the time, Dogni, you did some really wonderful research into this man and Doug D. Uh, for your book, which of course is historical fiction and uh, it covers the relationship between Collins and Lady Hazel Lavery. But just to come back to the man himself and the, the work, all of the volume of work he did uh, for the book, I, I saw uh, you, you wrote a great piece surmising what Ireland would be like had Collins Collins lived, Andrew, and, you know, yeah. rather than the De Valera Ireland, we'd have had the Collins Ireland. From what you delved into, what do you think the subtle differences or the big differences would have been?
0: That's right. That's right. I know the article you you're referring yeah. to there, Jerry. I wrote that for the for the, the Irish Times at the time and um, last year, and it was interesting. It was an interesting concept. And I don't think many people have actually thought about that. That what would have Ireland's destiny be looked like if Collins hadn't been assassinated at that time, hmm. because he had become obviously the kind of the major force in Irish politics, and De Valera had. had kind of gone to the other you know he'd gone to the sideline so i i think it was you could really let your mind run wild with that thinking of what ireland would have been like if collins had lived and i suppose i spoke to different people historians and sociologists and the general idea was ireland would have ended up being much more of a liberal country than it ended up being throughout the 30s through to the through the 60s um it wouldn't have had that kind of like the conservatism the devil Valera was was probably promoting and um, ireland would probably be more open on the international stage as well that um you, you know the probably the economic war in the 1930s that you know that kind of crippled the irish economy that probably wouldn't have actually have happened because um you know the collins would probably that was one of those one of the mainstays of the Anglo-Irish treaty that 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 collins was so proud of mm. was that the repayments to the british um for the the land in ireland would continue so like there was a lot of thought that collins wouldn't have stopped those payments so that that, that basically ireland wouldn't have had that land war and then i suppose most significantly would ireland have actually have you know you know developed its constitution in 1937 and Appointed a president, and, and then you know, and left the the empire and become a republic. Then in 1948, it was a, it was a very interesting kind of yes. alternative history to to explore. Mm, mm. And also then as well, would would Ireland have actually been a member then of in the Second World War? Because the ports, obviously, the Irish three Irish ports wouldn't have been handed back to the British then in in the 30s one mm. as well which you know to the irish so, you know it's a very interesting alternative history to explore yes absolutely we'll never know i suppose yeah
2: we'll <laughs> never know but it is interesting to look at the alternative and you covered it brilliantly may i say in your analysis of it and one line jumped out at me that you and i'm quoting you here you say it's clear that collins was not of the mindset that to be pro-irish one had to be anti-british
0: yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, and I, I think that it came across so much in my research for this book, A Great Beauty, um, which was it's very much about his time in London um, when he was negotiating the Anglo Irish Treaty, which is, as you were talking about, anniversaries. We're coming up to the centenary of that uh, this autumn, mm. Jerry. Um, and he kind of like made a lot of good friends, like the um uh, and uh, Hazel Avery was his kind of big friend over there, and and her husband, the famous artist John Lavery And he he kind of immersed himself into the English social life over there, which is kind of like kind of like very surprising to find out because we kind of think of him as as very much the revolutionary. So you know, I, I think, I th- yeah, I think as I was saying, he he didn't think there to be pro Irish; he had to be. Anti-British, so that was um, something he probably would have carried if he if he'd lived and and remained a dominant force in Irish politics as well. Mm,
2: and imagine us, you know, we could have been still possibly part of the Commonwealth, uh, as you say, a member of NATO, even you know, in the war rather than the neutral stance that we took as well, which uh, De Valera is you know taking back at the ports to uh, under our control, uh, you know, facilitated. Yet we were probably a silent. Uh, what would you say um, partner uh, of uh, the uh, Allied forces in a way and that's that's for history as well and um, you know if you read history you, you will you will that will um, emerge for you um but it's interesting it really is interesting to speculate and perhaps know as you say land war uh, the the great recessions that happened the the trade wars all that type of stuff my God Almighty but Andrew it is what it is and we can't change it now at this stage look just to come back to the book for a moment it it, it Again, to remind us, this is a fascinating book, you know. And when you, you things you could talk about from the book are like, you know, Collins' fiancé, Kitty Cairn, complex woman herself. But Collins was a complex man, and, you know, people may not know he worked in the British civil service and he knew London society inside out.
0: Well, he, he did. Um, yeah, but I, I, that's going back to him and his, and his relationship with Britain as well. Mm. Uh, long before the before he he rose in Irish politics and became a revolutionary, he he worked over in, in in the British civil service, so he was very familiar with 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 London mm. and and um, and and the um, and the British society. I, I mean, and Collins was known as being a fantastic organizer and a, a wonderful uh, bureaucrat. Like his notebooks was filled up with details consistently, and he was a fantastic organizer. And people have often said he learned that in the British. Civil Service when he was working there in London, which is a bit of an irony. But um, yeah, so maybe compared to the other people who went over to to negotiate the treaty um, in in 1921. Um, Collins was more maybe more familiar with the British character having lived there and and worked there for so many years himself than than maybe some of the other um some of the other uh, of his colleagues that went over.
2: Yes, and and that probably colored the perception of him back here from the opponents uh, to the agreement. And, and and in general in Irish society they they blackened him or painted them in a, in a very poor light.
0: Sure, I mean when he came back with the treaty signed then um at the end of 1921 um I mean, he, he was he was accused of, of too much fraternization with 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 the, with the British, and of course, you know that gave ammunition to the anti treaty people to say that it wasn't, you know, you know what the what the Irish people wanted. Um, and just with his relationship with Kitty Kiernan that you were talking about earlier, he had he got engaged to Kitty. Uh, I think it was in October 1921, um, just before he went over to negotiate the treaty. But they kept that quite quiet. They hadn't actually told anybody. They hadn't announced that. Uh, and the way it was announced was qu- it was quite, you know, I, I would say there was never an engagement announced like it before, particularly in Ireland. Uh, during the treaty nego- uh, treaty debate in the in the in the Doyle, um, Countess Markovich had sarcastically said that um, Collins had fraternised so much with the British over there that she'd heard that he was to be married to the King's daughter, Princess Mary. My God. Um, yeah, I mean, cl- clearly, there is sarcastic, sarcastic comment. <laughs> there was obviously no tr- truth in it whatsoever, mm. but. Collins then uh, defended that uh, that himself by saying that 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 the comment that she had made was both a slur to, to Princess Mary and also to the young woman that he had been engaged. to. And suddenly the cat was out of the bag that he he had he actually got an, he had an engagement. Um, already done basically and nobody had actually heard of Kitty outside the political circle at that stage
2: Mm, mm. but he was well known for his socialising and partying in London and of course Lady Hazel Lavery famous model on the Irish banknote people might remember for decades uh, often regarded as the unsung heroine of Irish independence
0: that's right yeah yeah. I I mean I suppose she kind of took him under her wing. It was. Mm. A, it was. It was our friendship to many. I mean, he was uh, a revolutionary a country boy from Cork. <laughs> yes. And and she was an Irish American from a, a wealthy family who was uh, a, a, a bit married to John Lavery, who was from Belfast, but was uh, probably the most well-known portrait artist in London at the time. And so they. I mean, what they were described as both John and Hazel Avery was kind of the passion and becks of their time. They were very very famous, and she was very beautiful. Um, so it was a bizarre friendship that she 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 had with Collins. But she was also very political and she had a huge interest in, in, in Irish politics, um, even though her own family had left Galway some 200 years before. So they were really American more than Irish, yeah. but she still considered herself very much Irish. So she had... Um, she, John Lavery wanted to paint the portraits of all the delegates over for the treaty negotiations. So they were all invited to his studio. They lived in a, a, a mansion in, in Kensington, and while there, Michael Collins befriended Hazel and J- and John became friends with both of them, and um, and she kind of became an unofficial go-between between mm. the Irish delegates and the British delegates because she would be great friends with Winston Churchill and um, and other members of the British cabinet. Was so it a was purely the
2: was it a purely platonic friendship or relationship with them? Yeah
0: well that's, that's that's the that's mm-hmm. the the hundred million Irish old pound question <laughs> 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 if you think of her I think of her face on, on all those pounds yes um she has insinuated it, it was more to to it than just a friendship mm. um but she has been seen as a kind of like a been a little bit of a fantasist as well. Mm. Um. so but I mean, there was a lot of rumors about them. I mean, one of the she drove Collins to Downing Street for a meeting. This was after the treaty He was back in London. They maintained their friendship right up to the end, of to, to, right up to his death. And she she drove him to meet him in Downing Street when he was over for London. And one of the tabloids said that Collins had arrived uh, to Downing Street driven by his sweetheart which is which is kind of like, it, it's, it's very much kind of like insinuating there was a relationship between them, you know?
4: Mm.
0: Um, interestingly, Collins actually wrote to Kitty, his fiancée waiting in Ireland, and, and made a joke of, of this comment in, in the newspaper and said that he felt there was a big libel lawsuit coming that, um, on, on, on what the newspaper had said, you know? We don't know quite what Kissy might have thought of that.
4: <laughs> well,
0: this is where guys like you come in with
2: your wonderful talent to interpret this. And uh, the well, way you... W- well, this is this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's your licence to, you know, um, put your thoughts down in print and which you did marvellously in, in A Great Beauty. And when I read things like this must be... I'll ask you anyway, how do you feel when somebody says that A Great Beauty, A Little Downton Abbey, A Little Great Gatsby... And a Little more perhaps of lady Chatterley's lover,
0: do you love those words well i well it, I agree with it it <laughs> is uh, but, <laughs> yes. I, but I mean I don't even think that that, that my book is those uh, mm. Th- th- mm. those uh, comparisons, I think actually the story is those yes. comparisons, yes, yes which yes. is amazing, and yeah. maybe we don't really realize how fascinating the the lives of our of our political leaders were in the past, mm. you know it was a very I mean, it's a very troubled time. It was a very interesting time as well, um, and they they worked hard. And they played hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, it's reissued, folks. A great beauty by Andrew O'Connor in paperback, widely available, and highly recommend it as i mentioned the first time and margaret madden of course is with us she's with us tomorrow on boot club oh god did she love this book that woman really waxed lyrical about it and i just remind you it is out now in paperback andrew before you go what's happening have you another one on the way
0: well, I had, um, I think I was on to you last year. We had the um, a telegram from Berlin. Yes. It came out uh, just after the last lockdown. That's right. the Christmas market. Yeah. So we're, we're still on standby for that to go out in paperback as well. So we've okay. a bit of a backlog. Yes. <laughs> to yes. go. Oh, hopefully that's the end of all the lockdowns. And it's just going to be mm. smooth, smooth mm. sailing from now on.
2: <laughs> yes. And you're obviously uh, weaving away in the background yourself. And watch this space. Is that the message from Andrew?
0: Absolutely, although enjoying enjoying the nice weather at the moment, though, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the weather's nice up in... Ah, oh, it's lovely.
2: Know. Yeah, it's lovely countrywide. It yeah, is indeed, Andrew. Yeah, it's great <laughs> all all round. Thank God for it. Long may it last. Anyway, Andrew, lovely to catch the opportunity today. And reflect on Collins, you know, the man and what might have been in this country. And uh, to say again, well done on a wonderful, wonderful book of great beauty. Talk to you soon, Andrew. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thanks. Take care yourself. Bye bye. That's Andrew O'Connor there. I have a copy of the book. Anyone like a copy of a great beauty. I have it. I haven't got it with me here today because I have my own copy. I'll give it to you. It's in perfect nick. It really is. And uh, staying with the uh, the theme on the show this week of hand-me-downs and uh, reusability, etc. That's what you should be doing with your books. Pass them on to others. Anyway, I have Andrew's book, A Great Beauty, to give away. And here's the question today: What age was Michael Collins? When he was assassinated 99 years ago On the 22nd of August Just to clarify that What age was Michael Collins For the book today the, His age and your name and details 086 1800 658 And we'll pick someone from the hat Before the end of the show George Ezra in Paradise On Late Lunch Love that one It's a really get up And let round the place song Jerry. I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan, says Jamie in Dundalk this afternoon. John Pertwee, Jerry battled against, Louise, the sea devils. That's what they were were called. Thank you, Jamie. I remember the sea devils. Oh, these were monsters. They emerged from the sea. And Tom Baker, Jamie, goes on to say, battled against the marsh men who came out of the swamps. So there you are. What I was thinking of, actually, uh, thanks, Jamie, was the sea devils. They were the ugliest looking Mm. things you ever saw. I'm not joking you. They were like the things Billy Connolly was telling us the other day about that you'd make soup from. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you
2: know, soup of the day <laughs> could be octopus you know soup as he said but anyway thank you Jamie really appreciate uh, the message today delighted that you are able to bring those uh, names and images back to me on the show Liam's been in touch you have something yeah there, our friend you? Liam
1: and RD sent in a really interesting yes. um, whatsapp Jerry it says my mother's uncle Harold McGill was one of the men who went to London with Collins to sign the treaty mm. and disguised himself as him He was arrested for impersonating the most wanted man in Britain, spent two years in Wormwood Scrubs, came home and got a top job in GEC, which was now the ESB and ended his days in swords. My word, Mm. there
2: you go, the things you pick up, I always say it here on the show, it's amazing just to let you know, there's breaking news that there's been an explosion outside Kabul airport in Afghanistan and that is just coming through, there was a terror threat there, Uh, all the major uh, nations warning of it and there has been an explosion outside the airport, oh my god almighty and all the people who are there Jeepers tonight that's not good news anyway we're going to you'll hear more about that so that's a, a breaking news story uh, here through the afternoon it's not good to hear that it really really isn't um, the hottest year so far last year Louise in Europe 2020 is the hottest year on record in Europe what will 2021 be? Yeah say it's It hotter. has to be even hotter hasn't yeah. it? With the, with the good well especially in this neck of the woods the real fine spell we have and the good weather we're having now and jeez last evening I was out it was just lovely you know even in time warm it didn't you know the heat didn't drop out of the evening at all it was really nice but on a serious note that's uh today 2020 the hottest what will uh, the stats from this year reveal it has to be off it really has now the book yes a great beauty speaking to andrew o'connor uh, to mark the 99th anniversary around this time of the assassination of michael collins and the reissue in paperback uh, of the issue for the first time should the say in paperback of andrew's wonderful book about it. Uh, Collins uh, a great beauty I have a copy I have it here with me I'll have it with me tomorrow and I'll send it out to Barbara Heiss well done to you Barbara 31 31 when he was assassinated oh my god what would have happened what would the direction of this country have been had he been at the helm I think quite different the depression we suffer the souring of Anglo relations and our trade with them so important each way and isolation in in the world would all that have happened where would we be we can only speculate at this stage anyway well done Barbara the book is here and thanks to everybody who got it right 31 years of age he was when he died all too young Michael Collins now my artist of the week is still alive Hale and Hearty In his early 70s now, Stevie Wonder. I have to tell you that beyond the 80s, he only released three more albums. Yes, there were compilations and the retrospectives, but his prolific creativity waned. He did continue to perform, however, and tour, and he wrote music for movie scores, and he liaised with a range of brilliant artists on other projects. Yet his legacy, I can tell you this, from the 70s and 80s, is immense. 30 top Ten hits, including ten number one singles in the United States. The charts there, one hundred million, over a hundred million in record sales. Academy Awards, Grammys, Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame, etc., etc. He is so decorated, and rightly so. I mentioned his activism yesterday. One thing I I remiss of me not to say, he played a big part, a huge part actually, in making January 17th a federal holiday in the United States in memory of Martin Luther King. That was with that song, Happy Birthday to You. You remember that one well. I'm delighted to say I saw him. I saw him in person at the Three Arena in Dublin back quite recently. It was July 2019. And to hear and see one of my favourite artists perform was something special. But I'd be honest about that gig. I have to say in my book it was a gig to forget, I'm sorry to say, with mere flashes of the man's brilliance on show. But nevertheless, Stevie Wonder will always be wondrous in my book. And today I'm slowing it down with a love song from the album Hotter Than July. Here he is, Stevie Wonder, the master at his soulful best. Lately I have had the
6: strangest feeling with no vivid reason here to find
2: Stevie Wonder, and lately, on your late launch, isn't it just beautiful, his playing the vocals there Absolutely superb, and I'll round off my week of Stevie Wonder uh, with a song and some more more words about him on the show tomorrow around about this time. Final break of the afternoon, and we have a lovely story about seven little ducklings next. There
6: once was an ugly duckling with feathers all snubby and brown, and the other birds in so many words say. <laughs> Get out of town Get out Get out Get out of town
2: Danny Kaye, yes, bringing back memories. And there were nearly no ducklings in Minolte recently. Well I exaggerate a little bit? But a rescue mission? Ah, it saves seven little creatures' lives. And John Sullivan is on the line to tell me more. Hello, John.
6: Hello, how are you, Jodie? Not so bad.
2: I'm good, thanks for joining me. This story began, what, about three months ago?
6: Yeah, about that, when a neighbour of mine tossed here and got a phone call from uh, Heather Moore, Isabel Forne and Harry Forne that they discovered seven ducklings had fallen into a a -a grid outside their house when they went home from the village coffee shop uh, one evening. And uh, they brought them up, so we set about being, I suppose, being the the mother duck to them. Toss got a little shoebox and a small candlelight, and uh, we set them up in it. And we started to... Now, they were very tiny. They were frightened. They were only hours old. The mother duck had hatched them out, and she was moving them to a a pond near hand, but unfortunately they fell in. So we we went about feeding them with... We boiled some eggs, we mashed them, and we started to feed, feed them the, the, the eggs mashed, along with a little bit of chick crumb, mm. which we watered it down. And that went on for about a week and a half. So all the time, like, we didn't handle them very much. Toss introduced them to water as well, just to get their feathers oiled and get them used. And as well as that, from the very start, we introduced them to a whistle, making different sounds to, to mimic feeding time. Because when they would be out on, on a pond, they would live on grubs and insects, Yes. So we had to let them know when feeding time was coming. So after about two weeks, we I, I have a chicken run here and domestic ducks in the estate. And we brought them down there and we started to give them a little bit more room and they had access then to water. Because over the last four or five months, in conjunction with the tidy towns, we have been um, introducing uh, new ducks onto the river. We buy the ducks then at about four weeks old and I keep them here in the state for about another five all the time on a whistle at feeding time getting them used to feeding but these seven little uh, ducklings they survived they they went great for us they um, adapted to the surroundings well I suppose you could say we were the mother ducks to them yeah. you know because uh, yeah. they, we had to sort of mimic everything that they would be used to but we mm. never domesticated them too much because we didn't want to do that yes because we knew they would be going back to, to the to the river. Mm. So yesterday was a big launch day. It was a big day for us. Um, Seamus Farley came down, took photographs, and we had about 30 people in the local community park or the thrashing field. And there's a lovely pond there with a stream access to the River Barora. And we released them after roughly eight, nine weeks onto the pond and it's... The uh, stay and goes they took just like ducks to water they <laughs> <laughs> they started to the dive you know washed them select them in they were really at home yeah and um they're getting their flight feathers now at the moment which is wonderful that's why we wanted to let them go to get them ready because the other ducks that was introduced during the summer they're all there they could be adding up between forty five and fifty ducks along with wild duck coming in. The wild duck know now that there's food for them. Yeah. And when you introduce the whistle, make different sounds, they know you're not a danger to them. Mm. And uh, they've adapted well. So I was down this morning early, just at the break of day, to check on them and they were there. Some of them went up the little stream, but when I made the little sounds of the whistle, they'd answer. So I'd we feed them on barley and grain and wheat. Yeah. And
2: uh, and you'll keep doing that, will you, for a wee while until oh, they fully yeah, adapt? We'll keep doing yeah. that
6: All the time, right? Yeah. right during the winter, because when all right, okay. In the rainy weather, when the river swells up, yes. they will come back to the lake where it's safer to to roost, because there is there is an island in the lake as well, yeah. in the in the community park. Lovely, and lovely. They they have a lovely place. The only one thing I, I'd like to say is um, just anybody feeding the ducks, not to feed them bread, because it is very bad for the digestive system. And what we have done is There is little bags I have made little bags Of barley and, and pellets In the local village stores Where they can be purchased Just for a euro For children at like that Who want to yeah. Want to feed, feed the ducks Because it's just a wonderful past I And mean, it's lovely to see them On, on the river
2: mm, So this so, is a project And you live in St Mary's Villas In, in uh, menalty This is a, a community project really
6: It is yes A community project, project In conjunction with The Tidy Town yes. Because uh, we want to restock the river uh, with duck because they're a lovely, lovely attraction. We also have a feeding base in the river. It's it's floating in the river at on the bridge or in the, in the water at the bridge, and we also have a hut made which they can go into. Now it's chained to the bank so it floats, and even though the, if the river swells with rain or that, it'll rise. It's not in an any danger to them. So we I, we I, I feed them at different points. Mm. Myself and Peter Rogers, uh, we alternate mornings and evenings feeding them, along with other members of, of the tiny towns mm. and the estate here. Oh, you're
2: and great! You're great people, you really are. And this uh, voluntary effort is uh, bettering, bettering Manalty and and the surrounding area. But here's the thing: just to summarise, the little ducks in the cattle grid would have died only for they were heard and rescued. You've nurtured them through as mammy duck or several mammy ducks uh, to the uh, to the state to the age that they can now be released back into the wild. It's a lovely story.
6: Yeah, and I'd just like to thank Tosk here and, and Paddy McEnroe. Like, I went away on the holiday there for a couple of days and they took over looking after them, along with uh, Jacinta and Janet. So it, t- it took a bit of doing to yeah. you know, keep them going and um, as I say, we have a lovely hen run here in the, in the estate with different breeds and coloured hens and, and there's some domestic ducks. So uh, no they were at home it, 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 it was sad to see them going to the river but they were going to the better place
2: absolutely better.
6: so I take no. it you
2: have a supply of eggs as well and these were mallard I take it with this common oh, mallard duck yes, yeah, yeah mallard yeah, duck yeah.
6: Yeah. but you yeah, have I it... of have eggs from the hens a yes. different colour and breeds of eggs and i give them round to the estate or anyone that wants them um, <laughs> I'd have up on thirty hens and there's a rooster with them there who likes to let uh, oh, everyone you know, know
2: in the morning early I'm awake you know <laughs> you need oh. that John what would love Life be without the rooster, <laughs> Charlotte
6: wouldn't be. <laughs> and I have also Moscovy um, uh, ducks, three Moscovies and a Drake. And recently, I have a lovely white Banton hen, she, I do call her Barora Bell. She hatched out two Moscovy ducks, so they're just a, a week old and they're a lovely creamy colour. If any children wants to see them, they can contact me. They're lovely and cuddly at the moment. No, they all grow up, but they're lovely at the moment.
2: Ah, fantastic. Um, John, have to leave it there today. Uh, uh, quacking fair. story quacking story Mayor, say <laughs> thanks for joining me John on the show
6: Thank, thanks very much for having me Not very at all. Much you're
2: welcome bye bye yes Manalti her last port of call in the northeast uh, today but a wonderful little story that is about the seven seven ducklings she probably had more of the mother and marched on with a few of them and the other seven fell in the grid but all's well that ends well now tomorrow on the show Books wine. Sport and your riddle. Yes, that's uh, how we're shaping up for Friday's Late Lunch. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Great music. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio, but do come back and join us for the final Late Lunch of the week coming your way Friday from one thirty. Have a lovely evening. Take care and we'll see you then.
5: Late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk, and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault traffic at Blackstone Motors and get a five-year warranty and low APR with same-day business finance. Call our van specialist, Danny, today. See blackstonemotors.ie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
3: Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
5: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.